We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to episode 137 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast, where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Ramping Crew patron supporters. Thank you so much. You guys have been really great over the last few weeks. And today I have a returning Patreon member, Sarah. I think you've been on a couple episodes. I think I've been on a couple. We did. I did the interview where I interviewed you. Yes. That was one of the bonus episodes I did. Yes. You got to talk to Quentin. I did. I did. It was very exciting. <laughs> of course, now he's done an episode. So that's like old hat. Now. It's old hat now. But at the time, it was this big, huge thing. He'd never he'd never uh, come out of his uh, hiding spot before then. And he didn't want to come. You had to assure him there was no camera. I did. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of a, a PJ household. So it's very rare that we're wearing like real clothes it's it's usually like a sweatpants t-shirt kind of thing unless well, I'm we like have leggings. to go places <laughs> i'm wearing leggings at the moment so yeah i we actually we had to run like a nine million errands today so i am wearing jeans but that's because i just got home like eight seconds ago so as soon as as soon as we're done i'm probably going to be throwing on uh some much more comfortable clothing the sacrifices Bethany makes for the podcast, guys. <laughs> that I'm wearing jeans. They're American Eagle yes. jeans, so at least they're comfy, you know? Yes, yes. Um, speaking of stuff for the podcast, how do I do a podcast? Um, first, let's talk about what you are currently reading. So I am currently actually doing some rereading of just some, like, light love stories. I recently finished the Ember in the Ashes quartet and it was beautiful and it was emotional and the ending is just, it's a lot. And so I needed a bit before I jumped into something new. I've, I've had that before, you know, after I finished the cruel prince, which by the way is an incredible series. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also my first dive into Faye. Yes, so much. And by the time I got done with it, I was like, I mean, this is brilliant, but I need something like super light and non-committal. And I think I read, oh, I don't remember what I read, but it was like just a little rom-com book afterwards because I just needed some kind of really calm palate cleanser. Yes. And that's kind of where I am. I reread Fangirl this week. I need to read that. Oh, Bethany, you do. It's on the list. It is, it might even be, like, I think it w- might be one of my top 10 favorite books, if not oh, one nice. of my top five. And I recommend it to everybody. It is so good. Every time I read it once, I feel like I have to read it five times because I just love the story so much. That's how I feel about Vampire Academy. Yeah. <laughs> that that whole series. I um, Yes. I actually have to tab my books because... I get very attached to certain story arcs 
and I don't always have time to reread everything. So Vampire Academy, which is six books, the first two aren't very long, but the last four are very long. Mm -hmm. So I actually have them tabbed um, with like all my favorite scenes. And then when I don't have time to do like a complete reread, but I want to go through it again, I, I go back and I just buzz through my tabs of my favorite scenes. And then I feel like I get that a little bit of that experience mm -hmm. enough to tide me over. That's what I should do with fangirl <laughs> because that's what I want is I just want to read all my favorite, favorite bits. I do that with a lot of books, like just any book that I don't have time yeah. to do like a whole reread, especially when my TBR pile is just like glaring at me all the time. So like Cruel Prince, I have that one. Uh, Bloodlines, Vampire Academy, everything by Marissa. Yes. Curses by uh, Lish McBride. I have that one. It's mm -hmm. wonderful. The Daughter of the Moon trilogy by Abigail Spagari. I love that series, especially the last two books have like so much going on in them. But honestly, the last two times I tried to like just read the tabs, I was like, nope, I'm reading it. <laughs> especially after like the audiobook came out Amanda Garrison who is the host of fictional hangover podcast actually mm -hmm. did the audiobooks for the daughter of the moon trilogy and they were amazing and I got done listening to the audiobook for the first one and I messaged Abigail because she's also my critique partner and I messaged her and I was like yeah I kind of need to do a reread now <laughs> like I I feel like I need to absorb the whole story a second time uh because of that Problems with being a reader, right? Yeah, I mean, some books are just that good. You know, some books you finish it, especially if it's like a long series, you finish it and you're kind of like, I don't think I'm ready to move on yet. I think that's partly why I started the podcast. I just was never ready to let Lunar Chronicles go. Yes. And now I never have to. Nope, never. Never have to, unless I, mm -hmm. there's no reason to. And, and I, have, I, I did take the last like three or four weeks off to be with my family and uh, try to take care of each other. And there was a lot to take care of. And me being the oldest sister, I kind of had um, a lot of responsibilities, but um, I am happy to be back doing the podcast. And I have to say a huge thank you to my husband because he's been taking care of all of my emails and Ruth, who took care of all the podcasting stuff for me, and Leah from YA Book Chat, who also helped with the podcasting, and they recorded an episode that I couldn't be at, so they recorded it for me. Like, I have just had a lot of love and support, and I'm I'm very grateful for all of it. So, um, big thank you to everyone for for taking very good care of me and for being so patient while I'm trying to get everything figured out. Well, I'm so glad that you felt that. I know that we, as your podcast Patreon people, were just thinking about you so much and we're hoping that you were being able to take time with your family and deal and figure out life for a little bit. So I'm not really sure. It's kind of comes and goes. I think it's just like grief, I think, is just like a constant companion once you have it. You know, it. Mm -hmm it's kind of waves there. There'll be days where you feel a little bit better. And then there's days where it's kind of overwhelming. And um, for myself, it's just been a lot of back and forth. Um, and I, I'm the type of person I like to stay busy. So the busier I am, 
the the better I am. So it's actually been kind of good to be the oldest sister, you know, taking care of my, my bonus mom and my sisters, I think was a good, I feel better if I'm being useful and if I'm helping people. And I think that it was nice to be able to, to be that person for everybody. Good. Good. That's, it's, it's something that doesn't often, people talk about grief as though it's this thing that you feel for a while and then one day you're supposed to be fine. Yeah. And it's like, well, today I'm fine, but tomorrow I might not be. <laughs> and that and, that's okay. And it's like, today I'm fine, but in an hour I might not be, you know? Yeah. And I had, um, so for those of you listening who don't have social media, my father recently passed away and it was very unexpected. He was only 55. And as far as we knew, he was completely healthy. Um, I actually talked to him the night before he was going to help me, uh, propose to my husband. So my husband and I are coming up on our 10 year wedding anniversary and he wants to do a vow renewal. So I was going to propose to him and my dad was going to help me. He was all excited to like throw rose petals and stuff. Well, actually he talked about throwing things at Quentin, but (laughs) I had suggested rose petals he was talking about like bottles of beer. Who's to say who had the best idea? Um, but it was it was very unexpected. So for the last few weeks, that's why there haven't been episodes. I've been um, trying to go through that process and be with my mom and my sisters and really take care of each other. And I've had a lot of support, especially from Patreon. And I'm super, super, super grateful for that. Um, it's one of those things you don't know how many people love you until you need them. And uh, I, I do feel very, very loved. And that's a definitely appreciated right now. Well, good. We want you to feel that. Thank you. And everybody who's, uh, who's listening, uh, thank you for waiting. It's been like a month and a half since an episode came out, which is crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to do them every single week and sometimes more. Uh, so it's, it's kind of crazy to me that it's been like over a month since there's been an episode for people who don't have social media. They're probably panicking of like, what's happened to the podcast? Where did it go? <laughs> they're like, where are these updates? Did she say she was going on hiatus? I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I think I've, I think Ruth and I at one point talked about posting an episode that was just like, Hey, we're going on hiatus. And I can't remember why we didn't, but probably we didn't because of uh, time constraints. Yeah. Because um, also the people that normally take over the podcast for me when things happen in life um, were dealing with this with me. So, yeah, you, you had know, to go like to that. like the C team because yeah. the B team was with you. Right. Like Lindsay, uh, Lindsay, my sister, Lindsay, often will help out with stuff like that if I'm unavailable. Um or Ashley, former co-host, but Ashley, congratulations, just uh, sewed on as a tech sergeant for the United States Space Force. Um, so her schedule is maxed right now. Uh, she also just got married and just moved to a new state. So lots of congratulations for Ashley, because I'm very happy for her. Very exciting times for her. Yes, yes. So let's talk about some exciting Marissa stuff that's been going on during the last month that I've been away. Um, We have TV kind of news. Um, 
there's going to be some kind of an animated adaptation from Lockheed Studios. We don't have a lot of information other than that's who optioned it. Uh, and Marissa has actually posted about it and confirmed it on social media, which I think is a first. I don't think she's ever actually posted anything about that stuff on social media before, especially not saying like, this is who's producing it. Yes. I think this is, a, it's as far as it's ever gotten is now. I was surprised by how excited I was that it was animated. Cause I was, uh, when people were like, Ooh, this could happen. I was not sure what I really wanted. And then when they said it was animated and I realized I was much more excited about it than I would have been for live action. I was like, Oh, I guess I did have a preference. <laughs> I I mean, for me personally, two things. One, if Marissa trusts it, then then I trust it. I have a lot of faith in her as an author, um, and I, I I trust her implicitly, obviously. Um, and then I don't mind if it's animated as long as it's done well. I don't necessarily think this is the type of series for at least for me personally that would be satisfying as something that's super cartoonish. So like, you know, if it came out and it looked like Up or Rapunzel or it had that kind of thematic vibe to it, I don't think I would very much like it. So my only hope with it being animation is that it it isn't too, um, maybe the word juvenile is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. For me, being un, like... So I'm 38 years old and I still love and read and thoroughly enjoy YA fiction. And so when they make movies out of YA fiction and they appropriately cast people who are 18, it reminds me how old I am. Yes. And so when it's animated, some of that is like hidden instead of being like, ooh, who are they going to cast for Prince Kai? And it's this person who I'm like, wow, that's a child. <laughs> I see for me it's kind of the not necessarily the opposite but like I get kind of frustrated when it's someone my age and they're trying to tell me that person is 17 yes that like, that also like bothers Glee, me for example I watched Glee I enjoyed it some of the cast yes they could have passed for teenagers some of them I was like okay this person is definitely like 33 yes so why are you telling me they're 17 and then they're talking yeah. about like, oh, I was in home ec class. And I'm like, no, you weren't because you're 33. Like that pulls me out of it a lot. Yes. I, if I have to constantly remind myself or be reminded that this person is a certain age, that pulls me out of the story a lot. So personally, I think that's what's great about animation is that there's no obviousness when you look at a person. Um, it, I also think that it will allow for good casting choices in terms of uh, diversity and ethnicity because mm -hmm. we, we do have those in this series and mis miscasting those types of characters has been a big problem over the years with books. Yes. Um, and part of that is part of that is certain books don't go into enough detail about what someone's ethnicity might be. What part of that is also just whitewashing that's done in Hollywood or skinny washing is a big one now. Um, yes. Uh, and I'm certain that no matter what they do with Scarlett, she is not going to be curvy enough. 
Yeah. And I, you know, Abigail and I've had that conversation before too, because I always pictured Scarlett as kind of thick and curvy and Abigail pictured her as more of like slender and curvy, which both exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do think that that's an interpretation of the text. I also think I'm kind of thick and curvy. So perhaps I'm manifesting myself through Scarlet. I want at least one person that's not thin and slender. So I just made her thick in my head. But I, I think with it being animated, they can kind of go either way. Yes. So, yeah, with with it being animated and like I said it's Lockkey Animation Studio, there's there's a lot to look forward to there. We have very little information other than the fact that they optioned it uh and that Marissa is, is moderately involved. Yeah. I'm excited that we don't necessarily have to be concerned about like the special effects budget not coming up to scruff with what needs to be done. Yes, especially like, with all of the glamour. Yes. And how they animate that is going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, for, for me, Glamour, when this book first came out, it was 2012. Yeah. And so for those of you who aren't as old as Sarah and myself, um, <laughs> filtering and uh, photoshopping and airbrushing your pictures, yes, that was something you could do. But it wasn't available to the masses. No. You that was like a be... software that you could purchase yeah. and download to your computer. And you would edit everything via your computer. So and most you had to be people, good at it. Or right, you could be so Most people it. looked uh, how they looked in pictures was also how they looked in real life. And so now yes. with Photoshopping and filters and airbrushing, and even contour makeup, which uh, is a lot more sophisticated now than it was 10 years ago. I think that to me, that is a, a good example of filter or uh, of glamoring because mm-hmm. often in the books, the glamoring is described as like you're a more, you still look like yourself, but you look like a such a perfected version of yourself that it doesn't look like you. And, and uh, I would say, I would recommend to anyone, if you're trying to understand what that might be like, I would go look up like Kim Kardashian from the 2000s and then look at Kim Kardashian now. And that's what glamoring is to me. Because Kim Kardashian, love her or hate, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. So you guys know that she's not like my bestie, okay? But (laughs) she is a very beautiful woman. She always has been. But if you look at what she looked like in the early 2000s when it was just like uh, uh, average makeup, she was still beautiful, but there were imperfections there. And if you look at her now with the amount of contouring she does, uh, which is a skill she's definitely, uh, it's definitely a skill her and her sisters, I think, are are very talented at. Or maybe even Khloe Kardashian would be a better example because her physical appearance has changed uh, quite a bit over the last decade. But that is... um, Well, and not even just that kind of change over time, but if you look at, I'll use your example of any of the Kardashian... (laughs) Jenner yes. crew. If you like, you look at pictures they post and then TV appearances that it happened on the same day. Yes. You can see that what is posted as a still picture or even as a video is not the same as what comes through on a live, like film set kind of video. And that was, as Bethany said, that was not something that existed before, you know, 
I would say universally before 2018, even the idea that you could have a video that looks like that's your face, that that's not your face. And that everyone has to that. I would say the game really changed. I think it was 2017 to 2019, somewhere in that gap, the phones and uh, Facebook and Instagram especially started coming with this filter that was like a perfect face filter. Do you remember that? And it would take a picture of you and it would perfect your face. The biggest thing that I think that that particular filter, and I'm not saying this against all filters, but the biggest thing against that filter, the reason that it was so glaringly uh, obvious, I think, is because freckles. I have freckles. My husband has a bajillion freckles. And you, I also have a giant scar on the right side of my face. Like it's like goes from like my eyeball to my lips. So it's a pretty big scar. And if you, if you look at those perfected things, my scar is not visible and I don't have any freckles. And so to, to me, it's like glaringly obvious that I have done something to my face. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily like that for everybody because not everybody has um, uh, freckles or, or distinguishing mm-hmm. marks or something like that. But I, I do think that in terms of glamoring, I think that that's what in my head, that's what it looks like. That's what it reminds me of. And so I think animation is going to be a lot easier to accomplish that because also with animation, they might add something to it that we don't necessarily get in the books. Like maybe when you're glamored, uh, you have like a halo or something around like yeah. a, like or a glow. Sparkles. Yeah. Sparkles, a glow, a halo, maybe even just like a soft haze. Um, yeah. And, and so that might be now there's str- there's troubles with that, right? Because if you're trying to pretend to be someone else, then it's very obvious yeah. to the audience, but with it being animated instead of uh, live action, I think that they'll have a lot I think they'll have better opportunities to to properly uh, divulge that and and portray that to us. And then on top of that, with it being animation, you don't have to worry about the characters, the actors outgrowing the characters. Yes. Keep in mind that we're no spoilers. I'm not going to give any spoilers. But from the beginning of Cinder to the end of Winter is about six months at most. Mm-hmm. At most. So. If you're thinking a a movie takes like a year or two and then there's going to be time between each one, even if they cast a 16-year-old to play Cinder in the first film, by the time the films are done, she's going to be in her Mm -hmm. mid-twenties. It was a a big problem with the the Twilight films, for example, or Glee, like what we talked about a minute ago. Mm -hmm. So if they were to do live action, they would be... They would be limited to several things. One, they might have to recast frequently, which would be very hard on us as watch as people who watch it, especially because now we live in a binge society where yeah. you're not just going to absorb one form of the film. Once it's all out, you're definitely going to do a binge watch of the whole day. Two, you have to worry about the character, the actors no longer matching with the characters because of their ages. That can that can make a big difference when you're going from one movie to the next, especially if you're watching them right after the other. And three, you have to worry about whether or not um, 
those characteristics are always going to be there. People, when they age, their features change a lot. So for example, the Harry Potter movies, uh, which I think are very well done in terms of adaptation, they, they leave a lot out of the books, but in terms of just ad- adapting the text mm-hmm. to make a film that's enjoyable, they did that well. But in the books, Ron ends up being like six and a half feet tall. He's ginormous. But the actor that they cast to play Ron, he didn't get taller. So that's kind of a, a, a quote, misrepresentation of the character. Now, he's also kind of only tall relative to Daniel Radcliffe, who is not tall. <laughs> right, because Daniel Radcliffe is actually shorter than Emma Watson. Uh, yes. But again, in the books, that height difference wasn't supposed to be there. Now, when you cast someone at 11 years old, you don't have that information. And, in, and you're not going to have that information. I never grew, personally. I'm five foot one in a corner, and, uh, or I'm five foot one and a quarter, and... It's glaringly obvious when you meet me in person. I think most people are like, oh, she's short. And then they meet me in person and they're like, you are so small, (laughs) Uh, which I am. But uh, especially because like my sisters are very tall. My husband is over a foot taller than me. So I, I think I look shorter than I am depending on who I'm standing next to. But you know, if you if you think about those types of characteristics that you're not going to know what physical changes someone will go through during between 16 and 18 and 20 and 24, having an animated series gives you a lot more space to grow with your characters and it gives you more time. You know, mm-hmm. if you're worried about these actors out aging their characters you are going to run out of time. You're going to have to rush those movies really, 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 really fast. Yes. Especially with it being every six months. Like the Harry Potter one was fine because each book was like a year. So each movie was like a year. They were still at a very accelerated pace for movies, but the the actors never really outgrew the ages of their characters except by like one or two years. Yes. And that's close enough that you can still buy it. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, some actors they do not look like they're in their mid thirties. No. Or whatever their age is. Have you looked at JLo lately? Okay. I love my mother, but JLo and my mom are the same age and my mom looks her age and JLo does not. Yes. So you can definitely look younger than your age. I'm not by any means discounting that, Uh, but I don't think everybody has that um, gift from the universe. Myself, for example, I look 32 and I am 32. My husband looks 25 (laughs) and he's 35. So, you know, it just depends on who you are. And I I think some people, I think, honestly, there are some actors where I'm genuinely shocked by how old they are when I find out their age. And there are some people I'm like, I actually thought you were older than that. Yes. Yes. Well, and then you factor in the number of actors and famous people that have had work done and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, people can have work done and not have work done. That's entirely between them and their doctor and themselves. But I do think that there is a point at which, like, if you look at Gwen Stefani and they're like, look at Gwen Stefani, she's 45. Doesn't she look good? And I'm like, Gwen Stefani has probably had work done, which is Not a bad thing, but we need to stop acting like Gwen Stefani is your average 45. (laughs) Well, and even if she hasn't, that's what we talked about is it's the makeup again, right? Like if you look at at pictures from Gwen Stefani 
when she was the lead singer of No Doubt, that was before contouring and editing became so massive. You look yes. at pictures of her now, she looks pretty much the same because now she can she can cover a lot of that stuff up. Now, I'm not saying she's not gorgeous because I think she's a very attractive person, I but um, makeup is very helpful. I Personally, I am genuinely impressed by the skill and talent with which people can do their makeup because it is kind of like an art depending on how you do it. Like my sister Lindsay is, she's a magician when it comes to makeup. I swear she can make it. She can cover up every blemish without making you look like you're wearing makeup at all. And I have no idea how she does it. Um, so I, I, I'm not discrediting that if you like to wear makeup and you do a good job at it. I, I think that's great. But I do think that when we're talking about the glamoring of, of that we sit, that we get in these books, I think that that's going to be our best comparison in terms of like what we could actually uh, imagine in our heads for these characters. And so I think with anime, it'll be a lot easier. Yes. So what other news do we have? Um, there is a very beautiful, this episode comes out way in the future, but we are recording it March 12th. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it comes out until April, but uh, there is a very beautiful um, special edition of Cinder that uh, is coming out for the 10 year anniversary. I On actually, Tuesday. Yes, it comes out Tuesday. I was very, very lucky. Um, Marissa's publisher actually sent it to me. Um, Marissa didn't even know she was going to do it. So it was a nice surprise so for both pretty. of us. It's gorgeous. Marissa wrote a nice letter in the beginning to all the readers and fans of the series. Um, also, congratulations to Marissa for multiple things. One, she just finished her first half marathon. Uh, it looks like from social media, it went very well. So great job on that. And two, Gilded won um, a Goodreads Award recently, which is, I think, very exciting. Um, and it also won a YALSA award. So for those of you who don't know, YALSA is the um, Young Adult Library Services Association, something I'm a member of. It's great. And uh, the award that Marissa got was for best fiction for young adults. So, um, And then the only other news I think I have, and like I said, this is being recorded a month in advance. Uh, Cinder, there's a new Cinder book. I can't say what it's about because we are spoiler free, but it cuts an ebook. It comes out March 15th and it is a brand new story. So it's new TLC content, which means, yes, we're going to cover it, um, in like three years when we get to it. Or are we going to cover it when we are finishing up the Lunar Chronicles? Does it get to jump the line? Uh, well, but we it'll take us that long to finish the Lunar Chronicles. Because keep in mind, we still have Stars Above and two graphic novels. It's true. So by the time we get through with everything, I have to look at the schedule. We're also only about a third of the way through winter. <laughs> right. Honestly, I'm probably going at the, nec the next time we do a Zoom meeting, which probably won't be for a little while just because of my schedule. Um, I'll probably discuss with people on Patreon when we should cover this new book in terms of, you know, if we should do it before or after Stars Above or before or after the graphic novels, um, simply because I rely very heavily on Patreon to help me with those types of decisions. Um, because for, for me personally, I think the podcast belongs 
as much to Patreon and the entire Lunar Chronicles community as it does to me. So I like to make the decisions that I think would benefit everyone. And I like having um, the advice of, of other Lunar Chronicles fans kind of helping me make those decisions. So I probably won't make that decision on my own. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Personally, I would vote for whenever it is chronological in the story. That's when we cover it. Yeah, because I was thinking normally I do publishing order or yes. whatever is recommended by Marissa. So that's why we, even though Ferris was kind of a flashback, Marissa recommended that it was read between Cress and Winter. And so I told her that's what we would do. But if we were doing it chronologically in theory, we would have started with that book, right? Yeah. So um, I'm probably going to take a look and see chronologically where this new uh, Lunar Chronicles book uh, ties in with all the other books, but I don't even mm -hmm. want to say the name because it is a spoiler. Even the name is a spoiler. Um, yes. And I do have at least nine people that listen and have never read the series and go chapter by chapter with us. And I don't want to ruin anything for them. But well, if people really, really want to know, they can go to Marissa's Instagram. <laughs> yes, or my Instagram or the Patreon or email me, princekaifanpod at gmail.com. I will share as much as you want uh, with spoilers. And then I think that's... She also, aren't pre-orders of this donating to some kind of charity? Or am I making that? Yes, okay, so she's donating all of the royalties from the sales. All of them. So whether you pre-order it or order it on time, she's donating all of the royalties to First Book Org, um, which is a nonprofit that helps promote literacy in um, underserved areas. I, I could, I that's what I know off the top of my head. I'd have to Google it to know more about that, but I'm familiar with the organization. But this one is an ebook, so you can only get it as an e-reader. I will say, if you have a smartphone. There is a Kindle app that you can download on your phone and you do not have to have a Kindle tablet to be able to use it. You just need to have an Amazon email account. So, And if you are someone who doesn't want to purchase from Amazon, Nook at Barnes & Noble also has an ebook app for their yes. Nook. And so you can also buy ebooks that way. I would also recommend looking at Hoopla and Libby. Usually those are going to be connected with your local library. So mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll have this book so quickly after it comes out, but you can always check if you're on, if there's a wait list for it, or if you can request it from your local library. So hopefully you'll be able to access it in some way. It looks like a very fun read. Um, but like I said, I'm hesitant to even give the name because I think that's a spoiler. So yes, it is. Oh, I'm excited about it. I yeah. definitely pre-ordered it the minute it came out. I did yeah. not order the fancy 10th anniversary book. Honestly, I was I was going to go to the store and buy it on display because I wanted to see like the big display. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, Morgan Rath, who is um, one of the publicists for Macmillan and for Marissa, she was very nice and she emailed me. Um, and uh, mailed me a copy in the mail. I wasn't expecting that. So that was a nice gift from her. I don't even think Marissa knew she was going to do that. So that was a very nice gift from her. Um, I love that. Considering you are the most popular of the fandom. <laughs> I am. Actually, by the time this comes out, everyone will know. But you can keep a secret. Um, 
March 16th is a, uh, a live um, event or March 16th, I should say, March 16th is a, a virtual event on a, a bookshop from Santa Cruz. And they asked me to host it with Marissa. So I'm very excited for that. It won't happen for another four days, but by the time this comes out, it will have already been uh, recorded and posted on the internet somewhere. So, Oh, Bethany, I am so excited for you. And yeah, for I, hope that I, do, I hope like I do a good job. It's future. Public success. You've been doing a podcast for what, almost three years? Yeah. Wow. It has almost three years. Like the idea that you have reached this level of success where you're getting invited to do that is so wonderful and so well-deserved. Thank you. I think it's uh, still kind of crazy to me how successful the podcast has been. Well, it is the Lunar Chronicles podcast. (laughs) Yes. It's the only one. So if anybody else wants to start one, let me know. We can no, do don't make encouraging competition for yourself. You got to control competition. <laughs> I am immortal. My name is in a Marissa book. Okay, so as far as I'm concerned, I'm immortal. You have pin- You have reached the pinnacle of your career. Yes, because <laughs> a, a, a long after I and the memory of me has faded, my name will still be in that book. So. I remember the day that came that happened, like the day Gilded was released. Mm -hmm. So as part of the Patreon, for those of you that don't know, as part of the Patreon, we have a Discord channel and an Instagram chat. Uh Uh-huh. And so the day Gilded came out. It was was so big. It was crazy. Someone was like, Bethany, uh, congratulations. And Bethany's like, what? My copy hasn't come yet. What are you talking about? And so Bethany didn't know. And so someone, I can't even remember who, like took a picture of the acknowledgements at the end of Gilded where Marissa refers to Bethany as her friend. <laughs> and it was just, I was, I was so happy for you. That was just, that it was, was a good it was tears streaming down my face. It was amazing. Um, what did Quentin think? Was he confused? <laughs> no, he was super proud and excited. And I was like, can you believe this? And he was like, yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. So he, of course he can. Quentin is um extremely supportive, but he also like has a lot more faith in me than I do. So I sometimes I accomplish things and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And he's like, I can. You're awesome. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Aww. So he's a good husband. He is good. I'm gonna keep him. I think you should. <laughs> so let's talk about some fan art Friday. Yes. I have two incredible fan arts to share with oh, you guys. They are gorgeous. So the first one is from Apriot98 on Lunar Wiki. And it is of one of the mutant wolf soldiers, which we have been discussing for the last four books. But I have had a lot of trouble locating fan art that is of what they would look like once they're the uh, extreme mutants that we've had been exposed to in this book. So big thank you for letting me share this and for posting it on the internet so I could find it. If you have, or you know someone who has any fan art of Audrey or Lynn Pearl or these massive, crazy wolf mutant soldiers, let me know because I want it. Um, But this is fantastic. I love how terrifying it is. I love that it looks kind of chaotic 
uh, because it almost looks like the the person, like it almost looks like what you would expect a scary person to look like. Like they can't sit still and they're very energetic and they have like a lot of adrenaline. Um, or like when you see this thing that is terrifying that your brain has never seen before and it can't make sense of it. Yes. So it looks wrong. <laughs> yes. That's, like this looks like your brain is trying to make sense of something that doesn't. And it also has like some Neanderthal qualities to it, like the mm-hmm. the jawline being stretched out, the way that the eyebrows kind of uh, are are disconnected from the body. They're so pushed out from the skull. Like it's just absolutely incredible. So our next one is from Lunartic Obsession on the Lunar Wiki, and it is of Pearl. I chose these two because uh, today's chapter discussion of chapter 34 features a mutant wolf soldier and Pearl. And we actually have not gotten very much fan art of Pearl at all. So I'm really excited to have this. I love how perfected she looks. I love the bright red lipstick. I love the the dark ebony hair. I do think in the books her hair was described as chestnut, but um, I, I like that it's ebony. I think it looks really well in this picture, and I think it's a nice contrast to the white gown and the very bright red lips. I, I think it was beautiful. I also really loved, when I saw it, I was able to immediately identify that that was Pearl. Yes, which is very nice because um, with the, with fan art and characters, like you, I love when you can tell who it is right away and you're not like, oh, I wonder if that's Sybil or Audrey or, you know, you get to look at it and you're like, that's Pearl. It's also a mark of a good author mm-hmm. in that Marissa describes her characters so well that you can have very clear pictures of what they look like so that when you see a visual representation of it, it's familiar. Absolutely. I 100% agree. So big thank you to both those artists. And remember, you can submit your fan art to princekaifanpod at gmail.com. Or if you know an artist and you want to share their work, uh, you can reach out to me, but I will get permission from the artist before I share. So for those of you who have sent me art and are wondering why I didn't post it, if I don't get permission from the artist, which I there have been times when the artist does not want me to share their work, I am very respectful of that. So I only share with consent. So even if you found it on like Pinterest or something um, and you want to share it, that's that's your choice. But I personally won't share it without consent. Mm-hmm. And that is entirely appropriate <laughs> and a really good way to behave. One thing that I've really enjoyed this week, Marissa has been doing in honor of Cinder's 10th anniversary. She has been doing where she shares people's um, fan, fan art and, and all types of art. So not just like digital fan art that people share. And it has been so much fun it to has. see people doing creative things in relation to Cinder and the Lunar Chronicles. It has been thoroughly enjoyable. She shared one today that was someone who has the original hardcover books. Oh, yes. With the, and they did scenes on the like bareback hardcover. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And um, I I will say a, a big shout out to some of the, uh, authors that or authors to some of the artists that I've been able to connect with over the years because 
they've been kind enough to uh, let me share their work, especially Cosmic Nova Flare and uh, Shan Lightyear, who have shared countless fan arts with me. Sunlit Tangles, who created the incredibly gorgeous logo art that we have for Prince Cat Fan Pod. Um, VVIAA has done some amazing work, uh, Whimsical Illustrations. Uh, Scott Keelan, I'm probably forgetting 9 million, Tegan Art, I'm probably forgetting 9 million different artists, but they have, there have been some incredible fan arts that I've shared over the years, and I've seen quite a few these last few weeks that are absolutely just stunning. Um, So just congratulations to anyone who got shared by Marissa. I hope that that is a, a continuing factor for you and especially if you sell on uh, if you sell your work I hope that it helps improve your uh your sales and your exposure and stuff so just yeah congratulations to everybody and a big big thank you to everyone who lets me share their work because like I said I, I feel very lucky to have worked with so many different incredibly talented artists I also think I really love like I do hope it helps people sale and things I think so often we get so used to consuming content on something like Instagram that -hmm. we forget that these artists who share their things on Instagram often have ways for us to purchase it yes you can buy prints you can buy stickers book covers uh embroidery all kinds of stuff cosmic nova flare I know has a red double red bubble red double page uh where you can buy some of her work so yeah, so I'm taking a stop by, you know, your favorite Instagram artist and see if they sell it somewhere and buy a bookmark. Buy a bookmark, <laughs> yes. When we got Verizon 5G home internet, it sounded like it could handle all our needs. But one thing it couldn't handle was our frustration. And hey, we deserve reliable internet. It's time for better internet. Fast, reliable internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts. I think that that is all the things. Oh, nope. I have one more thing. Um, (laughs) Reminder, Heartless the Musical. When this comes out, Heartless the Musical will be airing airing will be uh april 22nd i will be attending i don't know if marissa is going to be there last i heard she was going to try they have been posting their costumes they had wig fittings um on instagram yeah it was, it was great it looks fantastic it is 100 by the way it is 100 student made so these people are like going from algebra to rehearsals they wrote the music they composed the music they wrote uh lyrics and they designed their own costumes and they came up with a script and they're just incredibly talented so i'm very much looking forward to seeing it in person uh you can go to heartlessthemusical.com if you want more information i i'm i'm on their website right now and it does not look like there's going to be anything um any tickets on sale yet. However, there will be a Heartless live stream on May 14th. So you can live watch it May 14th, 2022, 6.30 p.m. And like I said, you can go to heartlessthemusical.com for more information about that. And I think that is all of the things. And it's after six, so we should do some (laughs) other stuff. Um, This year, the first episode back after my hiatus so you got stuck with all the updates um 
I am honored, well, Bethany. <laughs> so first things first, Winter, Chapter 32, was titled We Belong Together by Mariah Carey, thanks to the Patreon team, which I love that song. So thank you for voting on that. And now we can do chapter discussion. Chapter 33, last week we left off with Winter and Scarlet arriving at Wolf's mother's home and having their cute little Wolf and Scarlet reunion. Now, listeners don't know this, but Sarah specifically wanted Wolflet chapters. So I'm they guessing you have a lot of excitement for Scarlet and Wolf being back together. I do. Wolf Wolflet is my favorite. You know, mine was always Cresswell until doing the podcast, and apparently mine is Wolflet, and I just didn't know it. <laughs> but. I just, I, I, I feel a lot of, I identify with Scarlet in a lot of very specific ways, and so Wolf being her, her match is, I love it. And they're, like, Chemistry is fantastic, and this chapter really features it a lot, and I, I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, their chemistry is magnificent. So we're in Scarlet's perspective, and Wolf is like a puppy. He's so happy she's there. He helps her clean up, and he bandages her fingers, and he's actually pretty upset when she decides to go take a bath because that means that she's going to be in a separate room, um, which I do <laughs> think is funny. She's like, you have to leave. I need to bathe. Yes. And and she does. She gets cleaned up, which is a very nice thing for her after three months in a cell in that disgusting hoodie. So she's got some of some clothes from Maha. They're going to wash her clothes and Winter's clothes. And they kind of catch up. Scarlet fills them in. And so does Winter. And then they fill Scarlet in on everything that's been going on. I absolutely love there is a scene when Scarlet talks about having a poster of Prince Kai on her wall. And I love Wolf being like jealous of 15 year old Scarlet. (laughs) It's now 18 year old Scarlet who doesn't really care anymore, but I love that he's like jealous of a past version of her. I love it. And I love how she says, you're not going to have to fight him for pack dominance now. Are you (laughs) right? It's a perfect example. Perfect response. I also love that. Like, Keep in mind the last time readers, last time we saw Wolf and Scarlet together was beginning of book three. And it was right after Cinder and Thorn had, quote, rescued them. And both of them were kind of skirting around their feelings. Scarlet was very just kind of distancing herself from wolf because she was so upset about her grandmother and she was blaming wolf for not being able to save her grandmother. So when they were last together, they were both kind of shy and awkward about their feelings, but wolf is completely brazened. Now he's let it all out on the table. He, he does not care. He's made it very clear, very obvious. This is his person. Yes. I I also think that part of what she was feeling earlier, like back, you know, a book and a half ago, um, I think she was feeling a little bit of guilt because she talks about how, like, the moment she dragged him aboard the ship and take him away from everything he'd ever known, she'd made that decision for them both. And so yeah, I think she was a little bit awkward because she's like, wait a minute, he was unconscious. I don't know if he actually would have chosen this or not. But she chose it for him and he... Is obviously okay with that decision. Mm-hmm. 
So something else that happens is Scarlet is uh, Scarlet is kind of hesitant to ask too many questions because she there's some stuff she just doesn't want to know the answer to. She kind of made certain assumptions about her life with Wolf, especially with her being locked up. She kind of made scenarios for her to look forward to. And she sort of assumed that after the revolution was over and Cinder was the queen and Lavana was no more, Wolf and her would go back to Earth and live on the farm together. But yes, Wolf's but mother is alive. Yeah. With Wolf's mother being alive, she doesn't know if that's a possibility because he might want to be with his mother. Mm-hmm. And she's also, I think for the first time, really becoming acquainted with the fact that he is lunar and this is home for him. Yes. That he does have a home, that it exists. He's not some dude living with a bunch of other dudes in an opera house. Yeah, he's not displaced. Yes. Yeah. And that could, and she doesn't want to ask him <laughs> because one, they're trying to plan a revolution. There are a few other things going on right I now. I also don't think she wants the answer. I think she's afraid of what the answer will be. Yeah. I don't think, I think that part of her is worried the answer won't be what she wants. And so she's too afraid to ask. And I think that because of that, she tells herself, we'll worry about it when the revolution is over, because that gives her time to sort of ignore it. She can prioritize the revolution and deal with this later. That's future Scarlet's problem. I do think she should take a cue from the fact that he is constantly touching her or connected to her in one way. At Uh one point, they're sitting on the couch and he's um, holding the hem of her shirt with his fingers. (laughs) Like he just has to touch her to know that she's there. And it's I it's love, also, I think Wolf's love language might be touch. Yes. And he hasn't been able to, like, he's been going absolutely insane because it's been taking them so long to get to yes. Luna. And, and not to focus on it too much, but we do have this um, Wolf quality that, that Zayev has, right? And wolves are a type of dog, and dogs are like this. Yes especially after separation. My husband and I were gone. Uh, we, we went and took care of my mother. So we were there for a few weeks and then we came home and then I immediately left because um, I had already paid for everything to go to the North Texas Teen Book Festival. I'd also already told North Texas Teen Book Festival that I would be there. So um, I was home a day and a half and then left again. So when I came home three days later, it was like the first time it had been just me and my dogs. My sisters weren't here. My sister's dog, Charlie, wasn't here. They weren't at the babysitter. And the two of them followed me around like crazy. Now, Beowulf always follows me because he's a big mama's boy. But Scamp kind of only cares if he needs to care. Like, he's my seizure dog, right? So, you know, if I'm not in danger, he's kind of whatever. But he was like around me at all times for a good 48 hours. Even when I was like taking a shower, he was like laying on the rug in front of the bathtub. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of what's happening now with, with Wolf is he's just been separated from his alpha for a long time. And so he feels that ne- he wants to be near her constantly. And the constant touching is just his way of, of manifesting and, and uh, expressing that. 
It's also probably his way of reassuring himself that she's okay. And that she's not going anywhere. She's not a mirage. She's not an illusion. She's not a trick. She's really there. Because he spent the last, what, three weeks or so? Three months. Three weeks. I, yeah. Just envisioning these terrible things that were, could be happening to her that quite frankly were happening to her. I, I'm going to double check um, on the TLC wiki because yeah. I can foresee 9,000 emails if I get this wrong. Um, but I want to say that she's been up there for like a really long time. So September 12th to November, the first week of November. So not three months, but three, four, about five or six weeks, which is still a long time. Yeah. Um, so like now, a month and a half. About a month and a half. Now, for those of you keeping track, that is like 17 times the amount of time that they've actually been dating. Okay. <laughs> they were dating for like three days and then they spent, I think it said at the beginning of Crest that they had spent two weeks aboard the Rampion together. So they've been dating for like at most three weeks when she was captured and it's now like seven weeks later. So it's at least double the time of their relationship. So for three quarters of their relationship, they've been separated. Yes, they went zero to really, really dedicated to each other real fast. Oh, yeah. In true teenage love story fashion. So they were, let's see, Scarlett Benoit boarded the Rampy on August 31st and was taken September 12th. So like 12 days that they were on the Rampion. And prior to that, they'd been dating for like, not at all because it was like, it was traveling from, from one part of France to the other. They kissed on the train. They tried to kill each other. And then they ended up on the Rampion. So they were quote alphas for like 12 days. And then they spent the last seven, six or seven weeks being separated. And now they are, they are together again. So it's it's mostly been while they've been separated, which I think it's which I think for me makes it all the more um impressive and, and reassuring that both of them still knew the other person was committed, even though they weren't around for longer than their can you imagine or think back in your memory to the last time you were two or three weeks into a relationship? If you didn't hear from someone for that long after starting a relationship, you just assume they ghosted you. Yes, you were done. So now for me, I haven't been single in a really long time. So I'm basing a lot of this off of like really old memories and episodes of like sitcoms and stuff. But, (laughs) but (laughs) uh, kidnapping aside... That's a long time to be separated without communication. So it's very easy that that you could think like, oh, they would have forgotten all about her and moved on. But Wolf and Scarlet never thought that about the other person. Wolf was never like, Scarlet must have forgotten me and moved on. Scarlet was never like, Wolf forgot me and moved on. Scarlet's big concern after all these months or all these weeks being separated from each other is that his mom might play a factor into his decision-making process. Yes, because now it occurred to her that 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 connection would no longer be there. Because now he's home and he brought a girl. Yes. And that's what happens, too, because I love when when Maha comes in and she's like, "Uh, yeah, so it's nice to meet you, but Wolf didn't tell me he was in love with you. 
Yes. But I, I love that she can see them. She looks at the two of them and how they interact with each other. And she's like, my son is in love. And I yes. think that's very sweet. That was, let me find it. So Wolf, he says, mom said, Wolf, this is Scarlet. She's the one I told you about that was taken off our ship, blah, 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 blah. This is her. This is Scarlet. <laughs> and Maha had not yet managed to pull up her jaw. <laughs> she says, the earthen? And Scarlet nodded mostly. Um, and then she says, hello, Scarlet, composing herself enough to smile. Zayev failed to mention that he was in love with you. <laughs> you and- can tell. <laughs> And Thor is like, how could you not tell? Oh, absolutely. I, and we don't have to talk about every single detail. I just realized it's 6.30 already. Oh. Um, in this chapter, this let's talk about the main... Recorded. Yeah, let's talk about the main takeaways from this chapter. Um, Winter is exposed to the suffering of her people in the outer sectors that she was very unaware of. She w- was led to believe that the citizens in the outer sectors were well taken care of. And so she's shocked and a little ashamed when she sees the lack of food and resources that Maha has so much so that she refuses the food when they offer to share it with her. Mm -hmm. She loses her appetite. Yes. I also love that she calls Crest their miniature friend. Yes. (laughs) That makes sense. I think that's adorable. So Crest sent a message to them. Um, for those of you listening, I'm going to play the Rebecca Solaire version uh, because I can do that now. Thorn launched himself from his seat, circling the room to put himself in front of the holograph as she began to speak. Hello, everyone. If you're seeing this, our good friends from the palace must have found you. I wish I could have joined them. My current guardian gave me the option of leaving, but... I had to stay behind to assist with their travels. I know you'll understand. I wanted you to know I'm all right, though. I'm safe and unhurt, and I know you'll come for me. When you do, I'll be ready. Until then, I promise to be careful and stay hidden. She paused. A fleeting smile crossed her lips, like proof of her courage, though her eyes stayed anxious. After a deep breath, she continued. My absence has probably changed some things for you, and I know you were relying on me for help with some of your plans. I've built a program into this file. Insert this cylinder into the universal port in the dome's broadcast receiver and follow the prompts I've set up for you. On the chance this could fall into the wrong hands, I have locked the program with the same password we used on the ship. Her lashes dipped, and there was that weak smile again. I hope this message reaches you safely. I... I miss you. She opened her mouth to say more, but hesitated and shut it again. A second later, the message ended. But the message is basically that uh, she has to stay hidden, but here's all the information they need. And she gave them the video they need with Cinder's message. Um, we're not entirely sure what the video is, but we know it's very important. Cinder has mentioned in past chapters that without Cress, she's worried the revolution will fail simply because they don't have that video. So Cress being able to get them this video is crucial. Even though we have no idea yes. what the video is, we know and that it's crucial. Cress also had the ability to make that video play everywhere. 
Yes. Which even if they had the video, they weren't able they would to not have been able to do that. And they, so this program that has, Yeah, this program that Chris has lets them do that. And she's so smart. She says everything is locked with the password we used on the ship. So she doesn't actually confirm or deny the password so that if it got into the wrong hands, they wouldn't have it. But we all know the password is captain is king. Mm-hmm. I also want to say how much I love Thorn. <laughs> pops up on the screen and Thorn rushes across the entire house so he can be closer to this, this hologram image of Cress. And it's yeah. just so sad, but so beautiful. I love it so much. Um, and then on top of that, you can tell in Thorn that he, we've, we've already seen how frustrated and devastated and upset he's been at the lack of knowing whether or not Cress was okay at the fact that they had to leave her behind. Um, but I, I love this scene where he kind of shatters his uh, composure for a little while. Yes. And so after they get the message from Cress and they figure out that they finally could move on with their original plan, they have a debate about whether or not Jason is a good person or not. And Thorne it's not is not a bad a, debate to have. No, no. And Thorne is having a very hard time forgiving him because he didn't save Cress too. Now I have to ask, because you're not a fan of Thorne. So I have to ask, are you a fan of Jason? I, I'm neutral about Jason and it's not really so much that I'm not a fan of Thorne. I'm not a fan of who Thorne is at the beginning. I am a fan of who Thorne becomes. And this Thorne in this chapter is being that guy that he could be. Right. He's not. I think Jason is just, I think what bothers me about Jason is that he's very self-serving and, and sometimes that's, taken as heroic uh, like him saving Scarlet sorry he saved Scarlet because Scarlet could save Winter if Scarlet didn't need Winter he probably wouldn't have saved her so yes now that being said his promise his his commitment that he would put Cress above everyone else that he that he would protect Winter with his life and he would also uh, that commitment he made to to extend that protection to Cress, I do think that that was a big moment for him. Um, but I'm not going to offer him any heroics for saving Scarlet because I genuinely think he did that for Winter's sake, not yes. Scarlet. Um, it Jason, I have a hard time with him because he does not care about the greater benefit of everything. Like, right, Lavana is only terrible to him. Like he he agrees, Lavana is terrible right (laughs) and that things are not good but unless winter is in actual danger he is not willing to engage in anything that would put them in danger and you saw that when he was with them he was away from everything he could have stayed with them yes and instead he was like i have to get back to winter because she is in danger and so he's not there he betrays them and he tells them, he tells Sybil where they are. It might not, like, that could have ended differently. That could have ended with all of them captured or dead. Right. And then nothing changes in the status quo. He just goes back to normal. I don't think he has a greater investment in the status quo as opposed to Cinder, who we see what Cinder wanted and what Cinder would have loved to have done 
is to just leave. <laughs> I also She's think like, that like she was actively preparing to just move on to have her own life and to be independent. Right. And then she found out Kai was in danger and was like, I have to fix this. And then she had another chance to escape. And she could have been like, you know, goodbye, Dr. Erlen. I'm going to disappear now. And she's like, no, I feel this greater calling outside myself. And so she's like, we're going to do a revolution. Jason is not the person who would engage in that unless winter is safe. I also think that we have to take into consideration that Jason did not know who Cinder was. That is the time that he betrayed them. He did not know that Cinder was Princess Aline. He thought Cinder was some crazy cyborg girl who was in love with Prince Kai and wanted to stop the wedding because she was in love with Prince Kai. So I think that that lack of information, I don't necessarily think he wouldn't, I don't know. He might've still betrayed them, but he wouldn't have divulged that information. But I, I think it changes a lot that he did not know who she was. Yes. I don't necessarily know if he still would have betrayed them. I think, I think if he knew who she was, I don't think he would have betrayed them to get back to winter because how could he tell winter that he did that? If he knew. See, I think he would have. Because well, if he did, I, I don't think he would have told them who she was. I don't think he would have no. divulged that information. Yeah, I don't think he would have done that. But I still think he might have gone about it differently. <laughs> now, we talked about some of the the bloodlines stuff in a few chapters ago, so I won't yes. get into details about that. But where we leave off in this chapter is... Um, is First of all, I love that Winter calls Zayev uh, Maha's wolf cub. I think it's adorable. Yes. Um, but where we leave off in this chapter is uh, the gang minus Cress has been reunited. They have video footage from Cress and the programming from Cress to be able to move the revolution forward. And Scarlet finally got a bath and a decent meal. And yes. hopefully somewhere to sleep. And um, the princess that everybody loves is in Maha's house and she doesn't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows what to do with that information, including Winter. Winter is a bit of a kook and it, we love her for it. <laughs> I will say I love, I absolutely love that Maha is so appreciative of the fact that Thanks to Scarlet, Wolf actually knows what love is. She never thought he would have that because of of, uh, being captured at such a young age and being um, turned into the, to this army. Um, But um, what exactly does she say? Um, When they took you away, I feared you would never know love at all. Yeah. And she's very happy. And then Thorn has the most Thorn response. Are we almost done with the gushing and the weeping? When do we start planning a revolution again? Yeah, Thorn's priorities are Cress is alive. We got to get back there. Let's go. And then Winter, I can't understand why no one ever listens to me. And Scarlet glared. You're right, Winter. It's a complete mystery. Yeah, love it. <laughs> because so, you are a little bit crazy. A little bit. So let's talk about your song title for this one. So my song title for this one, I picked Ed Sheeran Shiver. Shivers. 
because it's just a delightful love song about basically like you are everything. I want to be that guy. I want to drink, feel like I feel like my soul's on fire. I want to stay up all day and all night. And it's just a delightful song. I love it. And it reminded me of like, when I thought about Wolf and Scarlet, I thought of this song. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) This song reminds me of all of the greatest love stories I've ever read. I, not surprising, chose a Taylor song. Uh, message in a bottle by Taylor Swift. It's a, it's a new song from her red album. It's one of the vault tracks. First of all, Jillian Patreon member loves this song because it's a bop. I agree. It's very upbeat song. It's very poppy, but it also was written several years ago. So it's like nostalgic pop for those of us who, um, are familiar with music from 12 years ago, but, (laughs) um, it's it's just a song about being in love and being separated from someone that you're in love with. So um, I love that. I think it applies to multiple parts of this re- of the relationships that we have in these books. Wolf and Scarlet are, are finally back together. And that's beautiful and wonderful and magical. But every other couple is separated. Thorn and Cress are separated. Kai and Cinder are separated. Jason and Winter is separated. No one other than Scarlet and Wolf are anywhere near the people that they quote, uh, love or have crushes on or whatever you want to call it. So um, I thought it was very appropriate to have a song that was about uh, lingering feelings and wanting to be close to someone and um, not being able to do anything except sending a message into the universe that, that you love and miss this person and you hope that they know that you love and miss them and you hope that they love and miss you too. That's That sounds like a very good one. I have not heard it yet. <laughs> It's a good one. It's very poppy, uh, especially considering it was on one of her country albums. But um, it uh, it's a very good song. I like it a lot. So let's talk about your quote for this one. So my quote for this one is from page 291. And it's Scarlet talking about Wolf, which considering why I wanted to do this chapter, this is the least surprising part of the whole episode. Um, and it was the, she felt like she'd claimed him a long time ago. The moment she'd expected him to choose her over his pack. The moment she dragged him aboard that ship and taken him away from everything he'd ever known. She'd made that decision for them both. He was hers now, just like she was his. I wish you could see my happy little face. (laughs) I love that quote. Actually, almost picked that quote. I'm looking. So when I take notes in the book, I have a pencil and I put like a teeny tiny little dash mark next to things that are going to be my quotes. And that was that one has a dash, so it was almost my quote. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely love that, and um, I especially love the the just like she was his. I think that when you're when you meet your person, when you meet your your partner. Uh, I think you have that sense of, you know, some people are like, oh, when you know, you know. But for me, at least, there was multiple moments that kind of, you know, pinpointed how I was feeling. And this was, you know, this is kind of how it feels where it's like you kind of take a a step back and you look behind you at uh, facts that have happened or instances that have happened or experiences that you've had. And that's when you're kind of like, 
this is where I am. This is my person. This is what I meant to feel. And I love that she sort of claims him in that way. Yes. It's beautiful. So my quote was, brave, stupid girl, Thorn muttered. He sank back down to the floor, his expression torn from, torn between relief and increased distress. Gotta love when Thorn is something other than a sarcastic jokester. Yes. Yes. Which is like 90% of his personality. So yeah. I just, I love getting to see these like emotional sides from him. See, and that's the part of him I like. <laughs> yeah. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. So we'll talk about chapter 34. This is a really, really short chapter. I'm not even really going to go over everything. Basically, Pearl, who you may remember is Cinder's other stepsister. Pearl's life is pure sh- Now that her quote, adopted sister turned out to be a cyborg lunar fugitive. In the beginning, people felt sorry for her. And now everybody just kind of hates her and uh, lumps the two of them together. On top of that, it was their invitations that snuck Cinder and her motley crew into the wedding in the first place, which caused uh, the kidnapping of Prince Kai or Emperor Kai. So this scene is Pearl coming home. And her apartment has been invaded. And there, in the apartment, are two of Queen Lavana's mutant soldiers. And they're horrible and terrifying and gross. Pearl begs for her life. She wets herself, poor girl. Um, and then they take Pearl away. So it's a very, very, very short chapter. Um, but what is revealed to us is that Pearl is having a very difficult time. Um, adapting to this um, this new life without her sister, with one of her sisters being uh, lost, and one of her sisters turning out to be like a lunar cyborg fugitive, crazy person who kidnaps emperors. Um, and on top of that, now she comes home, and we don't really know why lunar soldiers kidnapped her. We just know that they did. Yes. I, we do get some information about like what has been, what life on earth has been like for the last four to six weeks. Right. Um, the about, attacks are random and relentless and you never know who could be next or where could be next. There's, there's no sense of security whatsoever. Yes. And that's, you know, about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think the picture that we get of what earth has been like and the kind of terror of war um, is part of why we needed this chapter. Yeah. Because I think we could get so caught up in what has been happening on Luna. And that we forget that Earth here. is under attack. Yes. Or even, even when we know that Earth is under attack, because we did have a reminder of it in the last couple of chapters when Scarlet saw all the ammunition that was being shipped to Earth. Um, 
we 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 have kind of taken a step back and we forget the what's happening on earth but i also think what we've been exposed to what's happening on earth so far has been very political and this is what the average human being is going through on earth yes as opposed to the emperor or or world leaders Yes, and but this chapter also doesn't really redeem Pearl at all either. No, like you. I, see there's there's a couple planet. of things. Uh, one, Pearl. Pearl is dealing with a lot right now, so you want to sympathize for her. If nothing else, she just lost her sister. Mm-hmm. But Pearl is a very um, vain person. And so her main focus now is on her loss of reputation. Remember that when we first met Pearl in the beginning of Cinder, she was young, beautiful, popular, and trying to find a husband. Yes. And in three short months, about 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 two or three months, she's lost her sister, her family, her life, or her uh, her fortune, her livelihood, and her reputation. Yes. So her, the world that she knew has kind of crumbled around her and she is very much struggling to adapt to a completely new lifestyle where, um, she doesn't have a servant. She has to do chores and, uh, uh, has to take care of herself and her mother now, uh, prior to that Cinder. And she blames Cinder for all of the problems in her life. Yes. But I think that that's, a a um i think that that's a learned trait from audrey because audrey has always blamed cinder for everything and i think that pearl very much idolizes her mother and so not to give pearl um any kind of forgiveness or leeway for her behaviors but i think that pearl uh Pearl is kind of like Audrey. There has to be a scapegoat. There has to be someone to blame. And because Audrey blames Cinder, Pearl blames her as well. Yeah. So let's talk about your chapter title for this one. So my chapter title for this one is actually almost seems a little bit counter. But when (laughs) I was trying, I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, what song is the first one to come to mind? And the first one that came to my mind is actually I'm Not That Girl from Wicked. Okay. So it's one that um, Elphaba, who is the Wicked Witch, sings. And it's about the fact that the guy she likes is more interested in someone else. Okay. Um, And it's actually a really sad, very tragic song from the point of view of the girl who doesn't get picked. And I kind of felt like that was how Pearl was feeling mm-hmm. <laughs> is that I don't get to be like the, my dreams are not what I get. I don't get these things. Like, how is my life? Not what, like, because I don't deserve it. Yeah. I, so I was surprised that this was my first choice because there is no love loss between me and Pearl. Um, <laughs> And this is very much, it puts the singer, who in this case would be from the point of view of Pearl, in the, like, you feel bad for her way, like, vein. But for some reason, it's just, like, she's watching life go on around her, and she doesn't get what she thought she was going to get. And that's a hard place to be. 
I think it is a hard place to be. And I think that if we could look at things, things from Pearl's perspective, we can offer her a little bit of sympathy, but not very much considering the struggles of everyone else. Yes. She also, at this point, does not know who Cinder really is. She no, does she doesn't not know, know who she is. That's a good she point. She does not know why Cinder is doing everything she is. Right. Now, is she aware of how terribly her mother and her treated Cinder? I don't think so. <laughs> For her, her entire life? I don't think so. But I don't I think, think that think she considers it mistreatment because I don't think she considers Cinder human. No. And I think that's a learned behavior. Yes. And Uh, again, I'm not forgiving her for these behaviors. I'm simply explaining them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that in her perspective, her life has changed a lot from what she thought it was going to be and what she expected and what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And I feel for that drastic change that she's had to undergo that she doesn't really understand and then she gets kidnapped by a terrifying monster and i feel for her in that moment too yes yeah so i chose two songs i chose all time low by john bellion um one i absolutely love that song it's one of my favorite songs to run to because it has a very good beat um but Pearl is definitely at an all-time low. I think that that kind of encapsulates everything that she's been going through. I also chose Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. If you have not heard the song, you need to. Please go listen to it. I will tell you some of the lyrics fit perfectly. You hear him howling around your kitchen door. You better not let him in. Little old lady got mutilated late last night. Werewolves of London. Werewolves of London again. He's the hairy-handed gent who ran amok in Kent. Lately, he's been overheard in Mayfair. You better stay away from him. He'll rip your lungs out. Like, yep. just perfectly <laughs> describes, I mean, obviously we're not in London, but perfectly describes, like, the entire wolf army that Lavana has created. So yes. um, Patreon members will get to vote on those chapter titles, and they will be revealed during the next episode. What was your quote for this one? My quote was from page 305 in my book. Um, And it's when, like, she's Pearl's thinking about, like, just the randomness of the attacks and everything. And she says, the terror of it was in the randomness, the brutality and the senseless way they chose their victims while leaving so many witnesses to spread the fear. And I just think that that is such a poignant way to describe war from the point of view of someone who's not a soldier. Absolutely. And so mine was kind of on the same wavelength and on the same page. No one was safe. No one was ever safe. Yes. To me, this kind of reminds me of the Blitzkrieg during World War II, mm-hmm. um, which was when uh, the German powers would literally bombard London with bombs all night every night anywhere and everywhere it didn't matter that they were civilians it was taken completely out of context in terms of wars that are normally fought from soldier to soldier this was an attack on just regular average everyday citizens um and you never knew whose neighborhood it was going to be you never knew who whose house it was going to be you never knew who was going to survive the night and i think that this is like a uh, for for myself, who's like a history buff, I think this is kind of a, a similar, um, uh, a similar attack 
where it's very random and you don't know who's next. And so you have to constantly be in a state of fear, but also constantly be in a state of the unknown because there's going to be that part of your head that's like, it could happen to anyone. But the other part of your head is like, okay, but if it could happen to anyone, then the odds are very low that it'll happen to me. Yes. And so I think that these people are in a constant state of fear and um, uh, disorganized chaos because they don't know if they're going to be next, but they also want to think it won't happen to them. Yes. And that is it for this week's chapters. Um, I'm sorry for all the housekeeping at the beginning of the episode. Like I said, we were, I was gone for about a month and a half. So lots to catch up on. Um, this week there were two Easter eggs. The bonus word hair appeared three times and the bonus word tomatoes appeared once. Next time we are going to cover chapters 35 and 36 of winter. Sarah, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? Um, currently they can find me just on my personal Instagram, which is at S-A-R-E-S-A-Y-N-N. But I think I'm going to start a bookstagram in the <gasps> next little bit. So that would be so fun. You could do pictures of your dog and a book every time. That that's it's there's a potential there. I haven't decided. It sounds like because, a lot of work. Because for those of you listening, Sarah has one of those tiny little fluffy dogs. <laughs> And that is the perfect type of dog for a bookstagram? Probably, yes. She also loves to lay while I sit on the couch and read. And so I also just got some fantastic new bookshelves that would make a really great backdrop. So clearly this is something the world needs. I do remember you sharing those pictures. Yes, they... they, I've styled them now and they actually contain books and they look fantastic. Absolutely. And I would love to see pictures of your puppy with yes. these Yes. I know that puppies having their own Instagram is a thing. It so. is. I follow several dogs on Instagram and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, one of them is a dog who lives in Norway. <laughs> and so it's really funny when I'm telling a story and I'm like, And I'm telling my mom about Honey, the dog in Norway. And I said, well, there's this dog in Norway that did this today. And she's like, Sarah, why does this matter to me? That is so funny. Because it matters, mom. That's why. Because she's adorable. (laughs) Well, big thank you for uh, being here this week and for being such a wonderful Patreon supporter like you are. Um, I think you're actually approaching your Patreon anniversary. I probably am because I discovered the Lunar Chronicles in March of 2020 is when I started reading it. So I read Cinder, Scarlet, and Cress while I was working from home because it was the start of the pandemic two years ago. Wow. Okay. So yeah, it was a delightful time to read about a world in which letimosis existed. Yeah, it's a whole new whole new perspective on letimosis after reading after experiencing our own pandemic, I think. Yes. Yes. And so that was, it was, I, it's hard to believe it's been two years. Yeah. It's hard to believe time even exists. Sometimes it feels, um, yes. Yeah. We're, we're going to our next base. We're moving as of this. Hopefully we'll have somewhere to live right now. We're still kind of figuring that out, but we're moving 
And it kind of feel for me, it's like, oh, wow, I feel like we just got here because we got here four years ago. But my husband has not been a super duper fan of his job. So he's like, no, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so it's uh, time is a very strange perspective. Um, yes. So big thank you for being here. Listeners, you can follow the podcast everywhere. Please rate, review and subscribe. Prince Kai Fan Pod. Um, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, there are tons of bonus episodes on the Prince Kai Fan Pod Patreon. I know I had a lot of people during the hiatus that were wanting more episodes. I am back. We will do an episode every other week from now on until I until life has to interrupt us again. But if you are wanting more content, there is probably 25 to 30 uh, bonus episodes on the Patreon. And if you join Patreon right now, it's a dollar. Uh, the first fiscal month is free and you will have instant access to all of those bonus episodes. So you can have a month to figure out you love it and you can't live without it. Yeah. That's but it true. is totally worth the dollar. It's so cheap. It is. Listeners, please uh, keep continuing to support the podcast. I really appreciate the support and the patience you've given me. Keep reading, keep listening, and until next time, don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The chapters discussed today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer, and the audio clips were from Rebecca Solaire's performance of Winter by Macmillan Audio. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger, and today's special guest was Sarah Ayers. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening. <laughs>